Hey, it's Sean. This week on Tipple Theory, we're going to be talking about rum. The answer to what my generation says when Johnny Depp goes, why is? Something gone. Anyway, let's start the show. Tipple Theory is the exploration of history and practice of creating alcohol around the world. On this show, we'll share some of the history of how your favorite beverages came to be, as well as techniques professional bartenders use to elevate your poison of choice into an experience worth savoring. I still like that intro. It kicks ass. So shanty-ish. Hello, and welcome to the rum episode of Tipple Theory with your hosts. I'm Sean. And I'm September. Me, yes. <laughs> uh, so please uh, uh, make sure to, to visit tipplethory.com today to find other episodes and ways that you can support us, like Patreon. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be talking about rum today. But before we get started, uh, September, uh, what's 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 been going on with you? I have a cold. <laughs> It's an annoying cold. It's a long-lasting cold. I can't decide if it wants to stay. Or should it go now? It should go now. Uh, <laughs> I get it. All kinds of tainted. Uh, it's like been making the rounds of the house and people have been testing for COVID and it's not that, but it's annoying anyway. Um, so some nights I need meds and some nights I don't. And tonight we're talking about rum and I'm having... A beautiful, beautiful hot toddy after the show before bed. And it's, I don't even want to, I'm going to start a small debate with you after we do our little updates. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's, it's around hot toddies. So, um, I've been in many, many verbal arguments about it over the years. Oh, everybody's uh, got their thing. Sure. Uh, yes. So what have you been up to? I, uh, besides, uh, doing some run research, 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 yes, she, uh, I've been working on making some non-alcoholic bitters, uh, cause we talked about, I think on our new year's episode, um, or somewhere around there, Hey, we should, we should be making sure we make kind of analogs to uh, any drink of the week. We should have an analog that's non-alcoholic. And uh, I've been doing stuff with uh, wasted knowledge, my other show about, and it's not even a show. It's a, it's a, it's a TikTok. <laughs> but I've been, every once in a while, I throw in some non-alcoholic advice. Um, and bitters is the one thing that's kind of hard to get to. Because uh, it's, it's, you make bitters with alcohol. It's a tincture. It's pretty much how you do it. And most of the non-alcoholic ones um, aren't very good. So, But I think just the way that you kind of have to twist your mind around a little bit to get out of the mode of, I need to make an, a, a non-alcoholic cocktail that's just like a Manhattan, just without the alcohol. Like, well, you can't really do that. You have to kind of start thinking about, like, how do I make something that's drinkable that I would want to sip on and not gulp that has a lot of depth of flavor and kind of work from that direction. So I I, I made a, uh, a tea reduction with, like, three different kinds of teas. Because uh, I like tea anyway. Um, so I like some hibiscus. And uh, I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head. I took a picture because I knew I'd forget. And then I made a reduction of um, of Dr. Pepper Zero. <laughs> because there's a ton of flavors in Dr. Pepper. And I figured, you know what? If you concentrate this down, it's probably going to have something in there that <laughs> yeah. that adds to a sippable beverage. So... I don't know. That's some stuff I've been playing with. And I also, uh, today, I, I've been, the uh, there's a kind of a bookcase behind me. You can see like the black side of. That now has, there's a PS2, a slim actually mounted kind of where I'm pointing at near the top of the bookcase. I've been mounting my game systems on the side of that case. So on the other side, there's a Super Nintendo, a Nintendo, and a Nintendo 64. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> I need to get the Genesis up there. And then the GameCube, the Dreamcast the PlayStation 2 regular 3 4 and something else sounds is in like there. good those are going to stay on the shelf i think oh the xbox There's the original xbox is over there it's like saturday night at dunaway's house i uh. i i'm i'm i've been almost giddy cuz i've like i've been waiting to do that to organize it to get them all set up and hung and and i got i got a nicer 3d printer for that was my christmas gift to myself <laughs> right on 
Yeah, it prints like 10 times faster than my old one. So I, you can actually watch the part get made. It was, it's fun. Nice. Or you can just make more than one thing in a day, which is handy. So with bitters, do you really have to go to that extent to make it non-alcoholic? Because it's a tincture. You're using a few drops. When people mm-hmm. talk about a non-alcoholic drink, a lot of times they're drinking non-alcoholic beer, which does have a tiny bit of alcohol in it, almost yes. every single bit. And folks I know who don't, who are specifically non-drinkers and everything, they they put some vanilla extract in their cookies. And I mean, that's the equivalent of bitters, right? And you're not even using a whole teaspoon of it. Yeah, I was... And I'm personally not against it, but I guess in the spirit of... Huh. You just want to see if you can do it. Not if you should. Well, it's more more of the, like, if someone, and I think a lot about, I think we talked about before, like addiction in general. And, you know, if if you're someone that has to face down that daily decision of, I'm not going to drink today, but you want it, you do want something that you can sip on. You can be at a party and not feel as left out or ostracized. I, I think, personally, I think even just having that, that extra amount that you're going to add into it, those, that bitters kind of chips away at that resolve and that decision to not drink. I could see that. Like psychologically, Um, definitely there's something to you're shaking that little bottle in there that right. Gives an addict brain a, well, that's okay. And there's, you're always one step away from, from slipping in those situations and yeah yeah i can so, see that so I, yeah and i would say general in general and i've asked people before that i've bartended for that say they want something non-alcoholic um like well can i use bitters is that okay and some will say yes and some will say no but there's it's such a great way to instantly add a good depth of flavor or round out a cocktail that i wanted to yeah i guess yeah you're right i wanted to see if i could do it so then i could have it mm-hmm. um, and Nifty thing to have in your arsenal, little uh, yeah. treat for non-drinking friends. Yeah. I approve. Thank you. Like I told you, I, when I talk about the show and people ask what it's about, I every single time people ask if there are non-alcoholic options, if we talk about those things, and we'll get to it, but it is something I'd like to respectfully have with, you know, because we're learning lots of cool stuff about alcohol, and, mm-hmm. you know... If we can enjoy alongside our non-drinking friends, the more the merrier. I would never pressure anyone to drink who doesn't want to. And I'd be happy. So I, I mean, every I've done enough searching online, just like looking up non-alcoholic spirits and beer. That like that algorithm knows me and gives me suggestions. So like I just ordered today or last night a, a six-pack sampler of a of a new newer beer, non-alcoholic beer company. I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. It was probably the most reasonably priced one I've ever seen. It was like 15 bucks for a six pack, which is most of the time they're almost double that. So I was like, sweet. I, yes. Yeah. And I want to try more of the non-alcoholic spirits. Um, I tried some at a pub, Tommy's pub in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I was DJing a burlesque show there and uh, they had non-alcoholic spirits there. And I only tried one. It's not crazy about it, and, <laughs> but I, I would like to try others. I've I've had, and of course I can't think of any brand names. Um, but I've had a decent gin, or whatever they call gin when it's not gin, um, botan- a botanical distillate. Mm. Uh, that was decent. Like if you throw that in a tonic, splash of lime, I was like, oh yeah. I'm like, it's you know it's not, but at the same time it scratches the itch pretty well. Um, yeah. And then I, I've had. I hit or miss with with whiskeys, but I had one that was decent that uh, I could make it an old fashioned again using some bitters. So it was for me, so I felt okay with it. Um, but I was like, yeah, I can I can sip on one of this for an hour, and I don't think I really need to drink tonight. Yeah. So good option to have, definitely. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're kind of on the fence and it's like your normal routine, but you're like, maybe I could just not do that tonight. Or you're at a gig and you have to stay all night long and drink oh, yeah. for six, seven, eight hours, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Unless you're 20, in which case, fucking go for it. But 
<laughs> right, right. But I mean, you want to have a drink in your hand so people aren't just buying you drinks thinking yeah. they know what it is either. So that works. Yeah. See, even us drinkers get that kind of peer pressure. <laughs> mm. Okay, so, so on we go. Unless you really want to, we're going to have this toddy fight. Um, oh, yes. I mean, do you want to save that for later or we can have the toddy fight now? It's, it's just a short fight. Um, so, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll do it now because I already said it out loud. Uh, and so did you. So, toddy. Uh, so, where I, I used to live in the mid, upper Midwest and closer to you. I lived in Saginaw, Michigan. So, like mid Michigan. Uh, I live uh, in North Carolina, but okay. Wait, what did I think? Because I, I'm I, from I, Buffalo. Right, right. And I was, nah, fudge. Whatever. Well, now I just feel like I'm making mistakes all over the place. I have no credit. North. The um, great white north. You north. I lived up there in the north woods. Um, I did live in the north woods of Wisconsin. But when I was in Michigan, bartending as an adult, <laughs> as one does, uh, up, up there everyone used uh, whiskey in their um, pot toddies. So that's that's what I knew. And then kind of moving into the south, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's whiskey, it's whiskey. But then, like, educating myself more as a bartender, I was like, and I would read more and more like, oh, it's brandy. Brandy's good in a hot toddy. I was like, all right, let's try this out. And the first time I had a brandy hot toddy, I was like, oh, I actually oh. feel like this is way better. It and, is. And and it my, is. the logic I give to people now when they say, oh yeah, I'm a hot toddy, whiskey hot toddy, or rum hot toddy, that might be good. You know, and for anyone that's listening, doesn't know, or watching, because um, we record this video for Patreon. Uh, hot toddy is hot water, honey, lemon, and your liquor. I would say brandy. Of all of those, there's only one liquor that you drink in a glass that is meant to warm up the liquor, and that's brandy. Brandy is served in a snifter, which you're supposed to hold the kind of the goblet with your hand, and it's supposed to your hand's supposed to warm up and kind of bounce up those those espers, those those volatiles into your nose. Mm-hmm. So it, it benefits from being warmed mm-hmm. versus the other ones, which I don't think benefit as much from being heated up. They don't do as much for you. Well, and also, brandy is super sweet and goes well with honey and lemon. Yeah, and and you may have wanted to start a debate, but you're not getting a debate. The only reason I'm making it with rum <laughs> is because my preferred uh, spirit for a toddy is actually ginger brandy. Oh. And, yeah. It's actually also what I prefer uh, in mm-hmm. eggnog, because it does. It benefits from being heated, but it also has the ginger. And for a toddy, mm-hmm. it's... Mm-hmm just amazing the ginger just has that extra aromatic quality but i can't get the abc in my area to even order ginger brandy they act like they never knew what i heard of even though they have the same brand of other brandies i cannot get a ginger brandy around here to save my life and um i have some brandy in the house but it's like there's probably a half an ounce in the bottle left because i've just been using it for recipes over the holidays but I do have a good bit of Kraken spiced rum. And so for that's why for tonight's toddy um, and the spices will benefit from the heat, at least somewhat. And then my throat will benefit from the alcohol. And uh, But it's mostly going to be about the heat and the honey. No, that's fair. Yeah. And yeah, ginger brandy would, yeah, that'd be excellent. I'd... That's my favorite, but I can't seem to get it around and, here. And I would say maybe a dark rum, like a Gosling's yeah. dark, would actually be better than like my initial thought of like a spiced rum or a light rum. Cause, well, I've got yeah. some Kraken in the house, and uh, mm. that'll, do, that'll do fine, too. Oh, the Kraken. I thought about it's... making a, a dark and stormy with it, because I also I don't have any Gosling's in the house. Um for the show, but I'm just, I'm sick. So I'm only going to have a toddy. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, and that's, yeah. Also, you don't want to drink too much when you're sick. Cause then your body just puts more energy into processing the alcohol than fighting the germs. And that's no bueno, but one stiff hot toddy that'll, that'll do you. Or if you have to work in a restaurant, one large coffee carafe full of hot toddy. <laughs> it'll get you through a terrible Christmas shift. <laughs> On to rum. 
<laughs> On to rum. So I, I found I found a nice little blurb that I like to read of just like I was like, oh, this is sums it up. Awesome. Uh, so sugarcane was first fermented. I cited my sources below. Uh, it was first known to be fermented as early as 350 BC in India. At this time, the fermented spirit was being used for medicinal purposes, as pretty much all original alcohol was. The production of sugarcane increased as explorers discovered islands with the perfect growing climate. Hmm. The first distillation of rum in the Caribbean took place uh, took place on sugarcane plantations in the 17th century. So what I think is really important to note there, besides the fact that yeah, the Caribbean is not the origination point historically for rum, it's possible it's not the origination point for sugarcane either, that both were brought to those climates. And uh, I mean, if anyone knows the thing about India, it's a fairly hot, humid moist <laughs> climate like it's it is very good for growing sugarcane and a lot of the caribbean a little bit drier but it falls in that same category um so it's i i not yeah i think it's also important to point out the the whens and wheres because i don't see it in the notes here but i did read about how um actually making rum making uh was developed by slaves um and then it was popularized by by the white folks after uh, the wonderful discovery what they and they called it like this what was it devil's spirit or something it had yeah. this really weird um yeah oh yeah I... it was uh, kill devil it's made from uh <laughs> here i found it um the first account of this type of rum was uh, comes from the Isle of Nevis in a 1651 document from Barbados stating the chief fuddling they make in the islands of Rumbullion is Rumbullion, alias Kill Devil, and it's made of sugar canes distilled, a hot, hellish, terrible liquor. And then it kind of like took the world by storm in like the 1600s, like in the 17th century, like you said. But. Right. <laughs> and a lot of that, I mean, so I, I found sources kind of in and around that. It, it seems like those the, the, those plantations were set up for growing sugarcane specifically and rum was a byproduct, but it wasn't that it was unknown to the people there, whether there was people working... Uh, or I should say people running things versus people doing the work uh, would be the better distinction there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it definitely got popularized through the slave trade that was going on at the same time. And the people on the ships and sailors and we can throw, maybe, maybe throw pirates in there to a small extent. Oh yeah. There's interesting pirate stuff. But it, it, my understanding was that modern rum came uh, to fruition when plantation slaves discovered the byproduct of the sugarcane refining process could be yes. fermented. Mm -hmm. So they discover it, but you don't own anything. So, <laughs> like, they weren't taking the the Indian the process the Indian that was used in India to ferment sugarcane for alcohol to make medicine is not like wasn't carried over mm -mm. when they started mm -hmm. plantations to grow sugarcane they weren't doing Correct. it to make rum um that was something like the byproducts of squeezing out the sugarcane and the molasses it was the slaves that discovered you could ferment that and that's where rum was born i uh, see I, I found that other countries knew how to do it mm, i guess uh france uh there were some oh shoot other Mediterranean countries that, that uh -oh. knew that like okay. this was a, now the real debate happens, <laughs> right? That, which is fine. But yeah, as, as far as I could tell, it was, it was th through this, through the slave trade that rum production came to the West Indies, the Caribbean. Sorry. Okay. Um, I, I could be, be wrong. I mean, the internet doesn't always have great facts and I know yeah. I do a, a lot of my research on the internet. Um, it was something I was curious about because I, I, 
like many people associate rum with the Caribbean. And then I decided to start learning like, oh yeah, no, it's not, not really necessarily from here. Just like totally pineapples exclusive. weren't from Hawaii. It was Dole set up a plantation there and went, yeah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, mm-hmm. we're, we're taking this land. Um, well, I'll have our sources posted in our notes on, on Patreon yeah. and in the, uh, you can put them in the podcast when you publish it. Uh, this was the oh, source yeah, do that. Uh, for that, the origin of it being in the Caribbean and, uh, and documented in 1651 was from the ABC, which I do tend to look at when it pops up in uh, my right. searches. But so going along with that, though, it, rum is one of these liquors that I, I do like because it's not, um, its production isn't really bound geographically. There's no like, you can only call it rum if it's from the Isle of Rum. Right. <laughs> so it's cool. And you can make it's it anywhere place. in the world. <laughs> right? Welcome to Rumland. <laughs> you know, that Where kind the of rum thing. is never gone. Right. <laughs> that great cask in the sky. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do think it's, 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 I like it because it is a, for better or for worse, and however debatable the origin origin is, it is a worldwide uh, spirit. It can be made, you know, anywhere that sugar can grow, which is a lot of places. It can be made just about anywhere. It can be made locally in the U.S. I've had rum from Louisiana, not too far from here. Like it's, I've had Texas rum, but it's anyway. You can make rum anywhere. Good. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So. uh Someone should come make it at my house. Yeah. Right. If someone wants to get, we're going to put a still level on Patreon so we can get our own still. There we go. <laughs> and, then, and then from there, <laughs> I actually would really like to have sugar beet rum. I think that would be interesting. Ooh. Like from like other sugar sources. So what is rum? Well, the types uh, I think are the most interesting thing because okay. I think we, people oh, right. just I know a section. there's like, there's rum that's clear and there's rum that's dark and there's rum that's spice. So what are the differences? Uh, well, so clear is that's your moonshine. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah, but come on, because of the ABV and everything else, you don't just, it right. doesn't just so hurt it's, you. It has that I, something I, left of the texture, not sweetness, but per se, but I find that rum has a, I, I mean, t- I would the palate differently. I would I would agree that it has some sort of viscosity body. and sweetness to it. Yeah. Body, yeah, mouthfeel. Yes. <laughs> Texture. <Fancy>. Um <laughs> Oh no. <coughs> Dying. Um That's no why rum. lime is so good in your rum and coke. Just mm. say it. Uh, the lime I put on my Hemingway daiquiri. Mm-hmm. Teasers. Which I'll take a sip from. That's our cocktail for this week. I'm trying, I'm trying to leave some of it behind, like for the end of the show. <laughs> I'm trying not to drink it all. Um, types. Yes. So yes. your clear rum is your unaged rum. Uh, no, so it gets distilled and then watered down usually to 80 proof. Uh, sometimes you have like a Navy rum that's like a hundred or 120 proof. Um, I didn't see a maximum bottling limit for that, uh, for the proof. But, you know, if you're doing 190 proof rum, it's... Could be anything. <laughs> what, what are you doing anyway? <laughs> uh, so then you have your dark rum, and that's your rum that is aged in an oak barrel. And that could be anywhere from a year to, I've had 25 year aged rum. Uh, I've had, I've sorry, that's I think that's the oldest I've had is 25 or 30 uh, I've seen 40-year-old rum uh, aged. Uh, and what that does, so you think you're like your normal, your Bacardi or, or your Don Julio or Don Q or your Cruzen. Like most of those rums are clear or one-year-old. You're not getting old rums. And that's your that's your party. That's your mixing rum. When you get into the old rums, you're getting in like the same level of whiskey type stuff where it's... There's spicy, woody, oaky notes. So are you, those you can have barrels your... uh, virgin, or are they charred like you do with a bourbon? Or if I remember correctly, I believe they are charred. Okay. For aging, I don't know if they're new though. They might have been previously used 
And I only say that because I know I've had rum from like, specifically from cognac barrels. I want to say normally right. they, they would be new because otherwise you'd mark them as aged in Shiraz barrels or something. To give, yeah, the, but, the, um, the bonus points. <laughs> ooh, bonus tip. I, I'm gonna cr- I'm gonna ruin the fun fact section because I'm gonna be like, oh yeah. Speaking of, okay. Uh, so there is so like with most barrel aging and shipping because rum was shipped all over the world. We've covered why at this point. Uh, they're in uh, Newfoundland, so rum would often go up from the Caribbean, up the East Coast, up to Canada. Uh, Newfoundland, when they would get their barrels, besides emptying the barrels, they would also press them to get. The, the remaining the the devil's cut, the devil's cut. out of out of the wood. No, before invented that. Uh, well, so that's that the earliest that I've ever learned of a pressed out rum, uh, and this is before who does devil's cut? Is that Jim Beam? I think so. It's uh, a, and I was, a, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's not that important. Only that that's a marketing campaign. I mean, Devil's Cut is, that is what's considered the, the amount of volume you lose when you're barrel aging a uh, spirit. Part of it evaporates, part of it gets soaked into the wood. So that's always, that's been the term, but then they decided like, we're going to market it. Uh, however, what they're marketing is not really that. Uh, the Newfies, people from Newfoundland, have something called Screech. And for them, that is what they've pressed out of the wood and the barrels. I Newfoundland didn't know screech. screech was the same thing. I've heard of yeah. screech, like yeah. being from yeah. up north. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was the same thing. Neat. And I, I've never gotten to have it. I, I've only you know, been hanging out with a lot of rum people. Well, I mean, okay, a lot of drinkers. <laughs> people have told me about Screech. I'm like, that sounds awesome. I want to have that. Yeah. Like, yeah, because the, re- the reason that's called Screech is because when you drink it, you go, ah! <laughs> No doubt. I, can, right, I think like, I did that when somebody made me taste the Jim Beam Double Scott. <laughs> okay. I've, I've, those are two words or three words that are four. Cause it's I don't a know. Name, it Jim sounded Beam, like a good Scott. idea, but. Mm. Yeah. As soon as I saw the marketing campaign, I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need that. I mean, it seemed like a good idea. At the time. Well, I mean, so if someone gives it to you, by all means. But I'm not, you know, sitting at a bar going, do I want the Woodford Reserve? No, I'll have a devil's cut. Oh, geez, no. (laughs) Those are two different nights. (laughs) 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 The fork in the woods. Do you want to go down the path that's sunlit with butterflies and and rainbows? Or do you want to go down the dark path with lightning and (laughs) dark trees? (laughs) It's like the Jagerbomb path. And that's what's oh, at the end yes. of it. <laughs> it's just bad decisions all the way. Something about Jaeger and Rumpelmitz for miles. <laughs> <laughs> so types of rum. So we have uh, our, our barrel aged. We have our, our light. Uh, we have spiced, which is can look like barrel aged. It's brownish, amber colored, but it gets generally gets its color from spices, cinnamon, cardamom, clove, vanilla. The lovely, lovely spices, you know, we add into it and make it quite drinkable. Um, so spice, spice rums are exactly that. They're spicy. Um, usually, well, not usually, but quite often they can be very cinnamon forward because cinnamon's cheap and you can throw a lot of that in and get a good cut from and it. it's usually not even actual cinnamon, but that's another story. <laughs> right, cinnamon <laughs> extract. Oh, no, a Note contains a no cinnamon. bark entirely. But, oh yeah, what is that bark? Um, uh, off topic, I know. But, uh, Cass- uh, Cassius, or is that go- actually? No, I think Cassius is the actual name of the right one. Uh, okay. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay, I remember. I, so. I forgot about that, but I, yeah. Um, so if a spice rum is aged, it's usually less than six months, because otherwise, it's the flavors are going to get muddled up, and you're not really going to get. You're going to spend more time and money than you're going to get product out of. Uh, And so then outside of that, you also have flavored rums, which is uh, almost as big of a market. Oh, like Malibu and... Yeah. And and your your Alizés, I think, are... are, No, are those cognacs? Either way, I mean, it's but it's as for as much as you think of, like when you go down a liquor store aisle or a box store or a state store and you see 
like all of your flavored vodkas. You see your pinnacles and your Smirnoffs and your, I forget the other names Sky. of the other guys. Sky, yes. Sky, of course. How could I forget Sky? It's above me. <laughs> um, rum has as many varieties in there. Um, you have, you're, you're, I can't think of all the varieties off the top of my head, but I mean, I've, especially if you travel overseas, it's not quite as popular in America. Um, rum in general isn't quite as popular as it used to be. Uh, you, but you you can find so many flavors and types and styles. And I've, I've had um, saffron rum before. Ooh. Yeah. Um, now, was it worth it? No. No, that was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it was yellow. Cool. Uh, one of the few yellow liquors you can have and not go, Because ah! uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of Galliano off the top of my head. But um, it... But it's it's there. Like rum is almost as ubiquitous for infusion as vodka is, which is fun. You know, I've, I've had some some terrible ones, and I've had some ones like I've gone to rum distilleries in the Caribbean and be like, oh yeah, this is our. You know, we made this pineapple joy rum last week. I'm like, yeah, let's give it a shot. I'm like, Delicious. And then I'm like, I can't feel my feet. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so there there are lots of types of rum out there. Did you have any other types that you were? thinking of ah uh, no not really yeah no. i guess na- navy proof or cask proof rum is also a, a thing just like there's navy gin there's navy rum which is usually just the term navy in front of something means more liquor it's higher proof it'll it'll get you drunk faster yeah <laughs> soldiers are i suppose want to do right. they have a shorter amount of time <laughs> wow that was, that was dark rum Surely, ha ha ha! I've been watching too much trolls. So, although I love doing infusions, I don't drink mm. rum often. My most often, uh, I, my, I most often purchase purchase a spiced one. Um, I, I, I have tried the Kraken Golden. I was not impressed. I'll stick with their regular um, because I always buy it at the holidays. Uh, I like it in cider. I like it in eggnog. I like it in my hot things. Um, in my cider, I add a whole bunch of other spices because mm. there are things I like in mulled spi- cider, like uh, allspice and bay, which most spiced rums don't go that far, and I do. Uh, <laughs> but I don't tend to keep a, a regular old rum in the house. Um, and I don't usually drink it out because I don't like a lot of sugar with my alcohol, and... That's the bars I go to. You know, it's like rum and coke, rum and coke. I um, can't have aspartame. Mm. Uh, it triggers my autoimmune diseases. So I can't have diet sodas either that contain it. So I, I, I generally don't do a lot of rum. But I'm surprised here. I never thought of doing a lot of infusions with it because of the different mouthfeel and vodka being so neutral. I usually use it for infusions. But few. Um, I like to use an infusion of peppercorns and I think with rum, Mm. that would be really good for like, Mm. I don't know. I'm sure I could invent something that a peppercorn rum would be really good in. I mean, oh, oh, you know, I have, so (laughs) it's going to take us a while to get to the legal definition portion of, of the show because that reminded me. So I. When I when I was early on in bartending, um, I think I'd ran one bar. I had moved to the Caribbean, and I, I ended up running a bar there. And in that in that same time, like I had a lot of free time. I I would I'd go, I'd work out, I'd walk around, didn't have a car because I was I was actually uh, not a legal resident of the island that I lived on. <laughs> uh, so lots of free time. And I would just go buy rum and I would I would have to save jars and things like that or empty some of the rum out of the bottle and just throw stuff in it. And conceptually being like, well, this is going to be a holiday rum. This is going to be a, a cucumber rum or, you know, it could get cucumbers on that island, but it's third world country. <laughs> um, but I, would, I mean, I would go buy produce from the, the, from the market or, I, you know, I'd pick something up or I'd get, I, I made a Irish cream rum because mm-hmm. it couldn't get... You could get whiskey. It was incredibly expensive because an island 
rum was made there, I would spend nine EC on rum. EC converted to about like six bucks US <laughs> for a bottle for a bottle of good rum. But it was made on the island, so there's no duty, there's no export tax, there's none of that stuff. So I mean, it was as cheap as buying, almost as cheap as buying water. So I would, I would, I made a banana cream rum. I made, oh gosh, uh, I made a chai rum. I made an Irish cream rum. I made, uh, gosh, what was it? It wasn't strawberries. Another fruit. I can't remember. It was probably oh, mango because mangoes grew everywhere. Or you can just, I mean, you could trip over mango falling off a tree if it didn't hit you in the head. Uh, and it was, so it, it was, it's great because it is slightly sweet as a liquor. So whatever it is you're doing is always going to kind of push it in the sweet direction and kind of give you a little forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, so for someone who, I mean, I was 24, 25 at the, at the time, you know, it was, it gave me a nice buffer for someone who was starting out and just trying these things. Nice. And then I had like a whole recipe book of like, I did this with rum. It was good. I did this with rum. Everyone drank it. <laughs> yeah, I do need to check with my local ABC um, to see if I can get them to get me some goslings. Because I did, while I was on my cruise, drink quite a bit of rum mm. because I was, uh, we talked about it. I talked about it with you before I went on the trip. Like, is a dark and stormy better <laughs> when you're in Bermuda? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was I drunk in Bermuda? But no. Yes. <laughs> no, because it was rainy and nasty. Oh. But and and it was on the ship a lot, but I drank a lot of dark and stormies on the ship and there was no consistency. You would think they make this run every couple of days. They could do this. They just, people are throwing ginger ale in. People are throwing, like, just oh, skipping the line. Some people are using lime juice. Nobody's using the goslings. Um, oh, no. One place was on, on the bar, and, and that was okay. One, the place we did karaoke, I couldn't drink whatever the hell it was they gave me. And, you know, I've, I've ordered one in, in the bar in town. It's like, meh. It'll pass, um, but the one I got on the island at the what's the name of the restaurant? The Frog and something. It was Frog and Toted Friends. French thing, and then no, it was Frog because it was referring to the French. It was literally how they got the name. What? Frog and onion. Yes, Bermuda onion. Frog and onion. Frog yes. and onion. I have frogged the onion as right well. Right there in the port. And oh my goodness. It was so amazing. Like the best dark and stormy I've had even trying to make it. Even like trying 15 different bartenders on the ship. Trying them in town. Um, it, it, it was a cut above. Well, do you know, do you know what I learned that was? That the Gosling's rum is apparently the official, like, you are uh, supposed to be only allowed to call it. Right. They own the tr- trademark, like I want to say, on tr- yeah. Dark and Stormy. So it has to be their rum and their ginger beer if you're going to put it on your menu at your restaurant. Yeah. And I um, use lots of different ginger beers for different things. And I... Uh, they're right. They're right. From all the experiments I've partaken, they're right. I mean, I, I, it makes a good dark and stormy. You can make it with other, if you have a dry spicy ginger beer, if you, if you have a, a Myers, you can do it. If you have crack and dark, you can do it. Um, but you basically have to be in the same ballpark to make it work. I would say. It was definitely a cut above, though. So it's it's interesting that you say this is a, a French place. Um, well, it's not French. It's frog and onion. It's a Bermudan place, and because of the French colonizers and onions oh. from Bermuda, they call it the frog and onion because it's I get a Bermudan it. place. Right, and the, yeah, and the, the French, English, and Dutch were like pretty much 
the Caribbean players. Um, a little bit of Spanish, but they were come more mainland. They were the most recent colonizers to leave. Like their curry that they had for like their mm. pub stew, mm-hmm. also top notch. All right. Mm. So before we decide to just run away to Bermuda, right? Someday. So uh, legally, rum. Has has a very loose definition. There's no, uh, as I mentioned before, there's no like origin that has to be from here. These things, it basically is a spirit made from molasses. Ta-da! Uh, it can be made from sugarcane. Uh, molasses is a byproduct of the sugar making process, by the way. Um, so it's dark and sir- like thick syrupy. Um, but it's yeah, it, it's a fairly loose definition wise. It's made all over the world. I, I did a find the U.S. Uh, oh gosh, what's it called? Federal Commission. There's there's a there's a liquor board out there that's uh, run by the government that uh, that has a definition for what rum has to be here, and that is, quote, rum is an alcoholic distillate from the fermented juice of sugarcane, sugarcane syrup, sugarcane molasses, and other sugarcane byproducts. Produced at no less than 190 proof, in such manner that the distillate possesses the taste, aroma, and characteristic generally attributed to rum, which is vague, <clears throat> and bottles <laughs> at no less than 80 proof, and includes a mixture solely of such distillates. Ah. But that does mean that you can, uh, that's end quote, by the way, uh, that you can add sugar after distillation. Which ha- which does happen. That can be good. That can be bad. Uh, there, I know rum purists and tiki bar purists that are like, if you add sugar to my rum, I'll come down there and get the you know and go haywire on the rum. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because I was in Texas when I met some of those friends, and they're be- they're wonderful people. Oh my god, my mic fell down. Uh, but yeah, so it, there there is. I mean, like I said, there's kind of that vague wording in in the U.S. code. So, so rum, basically, yeah, it has to be made from fermented sugarcane or molasses, generally molasses. Uh, I like to say molasses, partly because I know that from the U.S. experience of things. I like to say mole bums because it's funnier. Mole bums. <laughs> mole took us as <laughs> more asses. Mm. Anyway, uh, but that's also because there is a sort of like a cognac to the brandy of the rum world, which is cachaça. And cachaça has to be made from sugar cane juice or fermented sugar cane. And um, that is, it's very much like a rum. Uh, it's the, the sort of like the national spirit of Brazil, which makes their national cocktail, the caipirinha, one of my favorites. But, uh, so that one has to be sugar cane. So instead of that broad category, it kind of has a much more, a little bit more of a narrow definition. But also if people like come up to me and go, hey, is cachaça rum? I go, no, because if you taste the two side by side, they don't taste similar. It's very mm-hmm. odd. And like, I left the cachaça out in my garage. <laughs> but it, Not that I would, if tasting it in front of the microphone does anything for you. <laughs> but but it, they're distinct. It's it's a bit hotter in uh, 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 how it hits your palate. As far as like the heat of the alcohol, it doesn't sit quite as sweet as regular rum does, even if it's the same proof. It's it's unique. I've never even heard of it. Oh, cachaça is good. Caprinias are great too. I will at some point we'll make that the cocktail of the thing, the show. That's some yeah, yeah. down the line. <laughs> we need to live closer together, though. See. Right. Well, it's, uh, I, I put in my application, by the way, for uh, for Dragon Con a couple of days ago. So okay. I, we'll see if I should get accepted back as a professional because um, I have some creds. <laughs> you do. I do. I do. It's weird. Uh, that's what age does to you. You just get more experience and people go, ah, you have the experience we're looking for. I'm like, yes, and I'm not dead yet. So, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <coughs> So other countries may have other legal definitions of rum. They all fit the umbrella of the molasses bit, though, and then they kind of work their way down from there. Uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up and that I saw your cursor go onto on our little handy-dandy note sheet, <laughs> I follows what's going on, uh, is the rum tax in the U.S. So uh, U.S. has a, a 
a decently high or or appreciably high uh, rum tax. And I say that only because having lived in a Caribbean island that's not part of the U.S., uh, you can't get those rums in the U.S. In any island that's not really associated with the U.S., you're generally not going to find those rums out here. Uh, it's because it's just too expensive to import into the U.S. So we, uh, for up until a year or two ago, and I actually didn't check, last time I checked was find, found an article from November when this was up for debate in Congress. And, you know, they love getting stuff done. Uh, <laughs> but um, up up <laughs> up until like a year ago, it was uh, uh, $13.50 per proof gallon. Uh, we had a cover over tax program. Uh, if that doesn't get renewed, it goes down to ten $10.50. That's still a decent amount of tax. Uh, on rum, and then about ninety percent of that goes back into U.S. territories that produce rum. So the tax, everyone gets taxed on it, but it goes back to the territory territories that spe- specifically produce rum. That's kind of messed up, or not messed up. It's great because a lot of those islands, since they're territories and not states, don't get the same federal benefits that they do, uh, or otherwise would for being states. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, I like. Conceptually, that's a great idea. So this money that's good, you know, it's from the spirits that gets produced from those islands gets put back into their, theoretically, into the local programs. The only problem is distilleries have started to, over the last 30, 40 years, shift and change where they do business and do their production. And islands, they've kind of been jockeying for favor from different islands to see like, well, well hey, we'll, we'll give you 20% of our cap over tax refund to you for coming to our island and we'll give you some tax benefits and whatnot. So they're basically taking that money that's supposed to go to support the island, but the island's like, well, we want you here because we want the business or we want jobs. So we'll give you the money that we're supposed to use for that as an incentive theoretically and that'll help us out. But it doesn't because that money just keeps end up keeps ending up going funneling back into the pockets of distillers. This is how tax incentives work with big right. businesses <laughs> everywhere. Right. And it's, so it's not the, 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 the impetus there is there. And that's, that's great. And we should, honestly, like it, I don't know, I've had this conversation and I'm sure some people find it much political. My personal opinion is, opinion is, is if we have a territory, we should just make it a state if they want to. Because it, it, there's no like, oh, it's tradition, 50 states. I no, that was never been, that was never tradition. The amount, the numbers, there's no math wonk out there that's going that that's not the way it should right. be. We, we should be taking care of our own. And if we have taxes that don't do it right, well, let's figure something out. And let's get more good rum coming in. <laughs> there is a slightly selfish. There's some bias there, there. Yeah. I mean, I miss red cap rum <laughs> in a weird way. That was like one of the cheap rums I would buy all the time. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think I mentioned uh, rum is made around the world. I heard the door to my sound booth close just a second ago, but I'm not sure. Are you sure? All right. There was a noise here too. Oh, that, well, I do have headphones on. I, I love how far this thing stretches, by the way. <laughs> la, 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 la. Okay, no. So rum is made around the world. International Spirit of mystery. <laughs> why? Why? I don't know. Uh, so, so currently, uh, the the it's weird. So, rum started to kind of fade, at least in the U.S. from popularity, like at the end of the '80s. Uh, it was it was a good popular with disco, tiki bars. It was huge for a long time, uh, but kind of. With the rise of vodka and whiskey kind of being the, the party bar liquor of choice, rum started to dive down. Uh, there used to be rum bars, like you have whiskey bars now. There's mm. not rum bars anymore. We had tiki bars. I want to say, I mean, I'm trying to think of, I can't think of the brand names or like the, the household names of tiki bars off the top of my head. Uh, but we used, to, we used to be one one in every city. Like you'd find like, like a Ruth's Chris, there'd also be a... I just can't think of the name. There's one in Atlanta that I see every year at Dragon Con. What's the definition like of a tiki bar? Just you've got tiki torches out. You use those really funny looking cups. Like what? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Exactly 
that. It is, it, it is, and uh, uh, so Tiki has been accused of um, appropriation, uh, and they do use a lot of symbolic kitsch from from Polynesian islands. Uh, the the general thing itself is it's kind of like it, it's it was a TGI Fridays of its of its time. <laughs> it it was it was, it was so punny and and oddly nautical but not an island but it didn't really represent any island it was its own kind of amalgamation of look we're there's just a fake palm tree fun. yeah there's a toucan right like right and it so it's it didn't directly try to blend or or take from anything it was just kind of a let's throw some shit on the wall kitsch. yeah <laughs> right some kitsch on the wall um but you had like there's what Don the Beachcomber who was like one of the like the, the tiki masters of cocktails and I can't think of the other one. Ah, that's going to it's going to hurt and I'm we're going to stop recording and I'll remember. It's all those like really sweet rum drinks, right? Like my time. Generally, but not always. That's what I think of. They get over-sugared a lot. Uh, like my ties generally should not be all that sweet. Um or um of oh, the beachcomber even, which is another cocktail. I believe that's actually a gin one. Um you can have gin tiki cocktails. But generally they're rum. And yes, they're quite often sweet. Well, my but it was... local friend has a tiki bar right in her yard, and she's a non-drinker. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so tiki bars, and they're still a thing. And I think it's, I think rum is a kind of at, and the tiki bars are kind of the bottom of their dip. I think they're kind of getting a hipster popularity coming back. Oh, okay. Um, like there's there's a there's a rum community here in Texas that I, I learned about through someone at work. And they're like, Oh yeah, man, we like rum all the time. You should come over and bartend with us. And I'm like, yeah, be, all right, cool. That sounds like fun. Uh, every year in San, when I go to San Francisco, there's a tiki bar called smugglers cove. It's like a little, it's three stories, but it's also super tiny. So each story that you can go into like seats 20. <laughs> hmm. So it's a relatively small bar, but it's, I don't know. It's like it's rite of passage at this point. I always go, and and the cocktails are always fantastic. They've a phone book sized. Basically, it's all the all the tiki cocktails tiki cocktails of history. You can go out there and have one, and have a good example of it, which is great. Uh, especially if you're you know if someone's not familiar with rum drinks and and classic tiki cocktails. I say classic. They're a hundred years old. <laughs> it's not. We're not that far out of out, out of the gate there, but um, <laughs> but I mean, I, it's it's hard to get to order something like you're saying, like with dark and stormy. It's, it's hard to get something that's made correctly sometimes, and then that's the nice thing about tiki bars is generally, especially if they still exist now and they haven't closed and they're still around, that means they're doing it right and they're making the cocktails correctly. It's like which, a tradition there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then I, I think I mentioned before, aged rum is still is is very much a thing. And um, most of the bars that I've worked at have a couple bottles, usually like a fifteen and a twenty or fifteen and a thirty. Uh, and I'll have especially international guests like order that, like, "Hey, can I get a Manhattan, but with your thirty-year-old rum, or you know something along those lines?" Or like they want an aged rum, but in a more classic whiskey presentation. And uh, I don't think that's super popular yet. But I do see that that could be an avenue where that starts. People are looking for something different, you know. Whiskey starts to become passe if that ever happens. It might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. All right. So, did you learn anything uh, like fun or interesting this week that we haven't talked about yet? I learned a bunch of stuff, and this is another. It will benefit people to go to our Patreon or, or look down in the notes and, and click on a link because I'm going to post this really fun page I found all about Captain Morgan because <laughs> I was looking for fun stories and wow uh, yeah there's a character so uh, there's not really any evidence that he even drank rum right but it's just a branding thing that they found this character to and everybody knows you know Captain Morgan with and do the pose and all the things um, but he he was knighted and you know he's a pirate and he was a governor, and he did cool stuff like he had a fire ship tactic. He literally would like set a ship on fire <laughs> and send it 
into a raid and it would create such a panic that his crew could just attack and just win. <laughs> um, and legend has it that after he died, uh, a bunch of buccaneers, all right, because he wasn't technically a pirate, he was a buccaneer, he was like the Welsh, like, although England gave him permission, but he was Welsh, uh, to raid people, like, which was a, the case with a lot of pirates, actually. But anyway, as a show of respect, they drank rum from a toast made with doc with his shin bone. So, yes! Um, oh! Yeah! So, there, there's a lot of really neat, neat things. Like, they found <laughs> just even up to 2011, they, a, a team of archaeologists claimed to have found wreckage of a ship that belonged to him. Um, so it, one of the ones fun. that was set on fire and, and there's a portrait of him on the, on the site and, it, and he, he was a pretty man. So <laughs> bonus, which, which was hard to do back then. <laughs> right. I mean, I think he died of TB, Ugh. but yeah, our, our favorite privateer that everyone thinks of, uh, being ubiquitous with rum. Uh, some people, it's probably their favorite. They're probably wrong and should try some more kinds, but lots of fun stories to be had. So I mentioned that we can't get a lot of uh, foreign rum Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Or we just don't because it faded in popularity. Uh, Like I said, like mid-80s, end of the 80s. Um, And also because of the tax. Uh, But when I... First of all, I encourage anyone that's when they're traveling and you hit the uh, the duty-free store, if you have an extra slot space, wherever it's allocated, pick up a rum that you don't recognize. Uh, that being said, if you ever see Damwaso, uh, that's one that I would buy all the time in the Caribbean uh, when I was like kind of in the, uh, like, let's treat myself. Like I'm not, I'm not flush with cash, but like, I just want to treat myself. I would get a bottle of Damwaso uh, and I bought it just because it was like... I, I don't even recognize. What is this? You know, it's just trying things out. And so it was a French, if you can tell from the, the name, uh, French rum that had won like best rum or, yeah, best rum in the world. Mm. Some competition. This was, shoot, <laughs> 15-ish years ago when I found it and it won, a, won that award a few years before that. Uh, but it was a rum I could drink on the rocks. just And it was clear rum. Huh. But it was so smooth and just, just delicately sweet. I was like, oh, I'd like, I never had a clear rum that tasted like that and felt sippable like wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal. Just absolutely delicious. Um, and I've never seen it in the U.S. If, if I if I did or had, I would have purchased it. Uh, uh, but that's, that is to say, like, try go go out there and try rums. And if it doesn't taste good, then it's probably crap (laughs) (laughs) there you go uh and and so on top of that so you mentioned the frog and the onion i uh and i and i was hoping i could could bring it up so there's like i said every country just about can make rum uh plantation rum is from the caribbean originally is now owned by farrar wait for maison ferrand there we go butchering it because i'm not french owned by a french distiller that makes uh Cognac. So they're they're an old cognac house that bought a rum distillery and plantation in the Caribbean. And now when they barrel their rums, they actually ship it on the same ships that they ship their cognac with. And they invented their own shape of barrels that it goes with the sway of the ship to help the rum age. They ship it across the Atlantic, age the rum, and then ship the rum back. Holy cow. So they have this this fancy aged rum uh but they're they're treating it and treating their distillation process like they would their cognac, and and they they do add some sugar after distillation. They gotten by the rum heads out there gotten some trouble for that. But we're in the fun fact category, right? Yeah. <laughs> but they they have some of the most delicious by the bottle rum that you can still that you can get in the states. Um, they're, they usually run 20 to 30 bucks, depending on your state and your state store, uh, to just go pick up a bottle and they have like their clear rum, they have their dark rum, they have their spice, they have their OMFG, which 
I can't remember, but I, so I've met, I met their master distiller um, a while back and, and, and some of their distributors. And I've, so I've, I've had the chance to talk with them, which has been awesome or was awesome. They might suck now. I don't know. <laughs> on, on a personal level, <laughs> but, uh, they have their OMFG and they would say like, oh yeah, on the label, it says like original mash fruity grapefruit or something, something like that. They're like, no, the reason, the reason it says OMFG is because it's, oh my fuck. Or was it, oh my fucking good. Okay. I, I'm trying to remember the exact acronym. Basically they were swearing and saying this is delicious. And that's what someone's first said when they tried it, uh, coming out of aging. Um, oh, they also have a really good pineapple rum. Okay. That's, that's, that's lovely. So other, <laughs> other fun facts. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have more rum stories, but <laughs> was there, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could, yeah, I could keep going, but we're, we're, we're coming towards the end of the show. Yeah. Stories mm. are for, you know, when we have, uh, I don't know. Maybe we get to have a Patreon hangout. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll tell people about the first time I had rum punch. There you go. Right. It was another one of those I can't feel my feet moments. <laughs> <laughs> you and your feet. So I've why don't you tell folks about our featured cocktail this week that will I'm, go in the PDF for our patrons. I'm currently sipping on our featured cocktail. Hold on. Hmm. <laughs> Delicious. Our featured cocktail is the Hemingway Daiquiri, uh, so named after the Ernest author, Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway. I forgot his first name for a second. I was like, oh, I got I, you. <laughs> no. Uh, so there's a lot of variations on the cocktail. And as I, I mean, I, I, had the, I have one recipe in my head. I started looking it up and I found you know, some with simple syrup, some without, some with Luxardo, maraschino cherry, uh, maraschino liqueur, some without. Uh, so I, I kind of made a tight in between or amalgamation of all those recipes. Uh, but so if you think daiquiri and the first thing you think of is blender, no, throw that out. That's not, I, that can be a daiquiri. That's more of a New Orleans street corner, big gulp thing. Uh, if you're having like a daiquiri cocktail, it's shaken and strained for you into a coupe. So this would be two ounces of rum. And again, lots of variation there. I would just went with a, a, one-year-old rum. Uh, I was using Myers. You want to use about a quarter ounce of grapefruit juice, half ounce of lime juice, quarter ounce of Luxardo Maraschino, and about a quarter ounce of simple syrup. You put that all in your shaker with some ice, shake it up until you feel some frost on the uh, on your tin, and then strain it into a coupe glass and put a little lime wheel for your garnish. And, and for those of you out there who don't know what he means by a coupe glass, it's Ooh. those birdbath-looking uh, ones that you probably right. had champagne in. Right. It's it is your 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 martini glass, but with a side wall to it. <laughs> or uh, I wouldn't a... do that. I think the I think people know what a coupe is described as like for champagne, and it looks like a birdbath. And yeah. there are a lot of cocktails, like this daiquiri, uh, a, a gimlet is properly served in that. Gimlet, a sidecar. A sidecar, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, so it's it's uh, not a super sweet cocktail. So if you if you want something that's a rum drink, that's a sipper, uh, that has some lovely depth, actually. The, the Luxardo, I don't think I had that in my first Hemingway, quote-unquote, daiquiri. Uh, it adds a nice mouth softness to the cocktail, and it's very citrusy. It's wonderful. Highly what? recommend it. I would ask you, what can I replace the grapefruit with? Because this is something we ran into when we developed the cocktail for the East Coast Meetup, mm -hmm. because I am on a statin and I could not have grapefruit. I would leave out the grapefruit. If you can do just lime juice, I would just leave it out. Um, the Luxardo and like, so like the first time I had it, it was <laughs> pretty sure a uh, granted. So this was a, with a expert tiki cocktail bartender, but we were also recording an old podcast of mine and it was just rum, lime juice and simple syrup. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I thought that was fantastic. Uh, so, so you can get, you can get a long way, uh, with that. And honestly, with the Luxardo, I think that would be. Just fine. Cool. Um, 
And the I mean the grapefruit I like because it's another citrus, but it's dry, and it so Luxardo as a liqueur is also dry, and I think that's kind of the point of the cocktail is it's very semi sweet at 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 best at its sweetest. So um, excellent. Yeah, I would leave the grapefruit out or um, rose water comes to mind for some reason. I think it's just because it's something floral and non sweet that you can easily throw in there. But yeah, I love flowery drinks. Well, thank you, and I look forward to seeing the video. Again, it'll be on our Patreon for our patrons. Please chime in, folks, by emailing us at tipplethory.com. We'd love to hear from you, and don't forget to like, follow, and review us on the listening platform of your choice. Next episode, we'll be talking about... Tequila. All right. Now, please check out patreon.com Tipple Theory today, where you can become a supporter and get access to video of our Cocktail of the Week being made and other goodies. Thank you to Scott Gessler, who wrote the theme song that you're listening to right now. You can find him and links to his music at scottgesser.weebly.com. He just published his 300th song, so listen to it. Nice.